Welcome, everybody, to If I May, a podcast with me, Nick, an average guy, along with three of my average friends, Brent, Dylan, and Kyle. This week, we'll be touching on parenting, as well as the YouTube channels of some very popular streamers, and how the parenting is a very important factor, and maybe some not-so-classy folks on YouTube who could use a little bit of parenting. After which, we're going to move into the re-entry a game which is on Steam, Kyle's a big fan of. From there, we're going to pivot to space. Space, space, space. It's always very exciting and endless, literally. Uh, with that, we have the technology from going into space and how that affects our day-to-day lives. As far as space is concerned, we can nicely segue into pushing the human limits vertically, up and down, a little mountain climbing, as well as some diving. Touched on a few casualties this year, unfortunately, but we talk about the draw and some of the issues with wanting to climb the tallest mountain in the world. Next, we'll touch on the trans competition. Is it fair? Some NCAA athletes who used to be one gender have since changed gender and are having a a lot of success. Is that fair based on the biology of the situation? Uh, We talk about the distribution of everything going on there. It gets a little interesting. Lastly, Dylan was not with us last week, and we need his top five. That will be our finale. This is episode 51. Let's go. Quick announcement before we begin. We will no longer be uploading the podcast to YouTube anymore. It's one of those things where we're trying to keep this fun and exciting for us, and uploading to YouTube adds a little bit extra logistics to the making of the podcast. So if you're a YouTube listener, we apologize, but we will make sure we include some Uh, links in the description for you to be able to find us in a bunch of other platforms so we'll make sure that you're not left behind but going forward until we get to a lot of people demanding it or you know a couple hundred views an episode we'll likely not be uploading the podcast to youtube i'm reading an article right now where it says uh it's about how top gamers earn up to fifteen thousand dollars an hour of on stage time or total of like because like their practice uh, on and stuff. stage time. Yeah. Like, is that stage time? If you think about it, a... most competitive games uh, don't. But this is on Twitch. This is like streamers. Oh. Yeah, top streamers. Not top like streamers. I mean, like League of Legends players, because like most pro games are under 45 minutes. So I guess that kind of made, you know, that would make sense to me because they quote unquote work like two hours a week or something like that. No, no. I, I think you talk like, like Ninja or... I don't know their top streamers. Is it fair? Are they like? Is it kids that are giving them money, or is it adults like our age or older that are uh, giving these people money? According to Twitch's terms of service. Well, that doesn't count. Nobody <laughs> reads those. What do you mean gives these people money? Well, so like one of the way they make the top money, like Ninja or top streamers, they'll play. They'll, you'll give money, and then they'll read like, "Hey, thank you." Blah 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 for donating this amount of money. Like and, quarters. Uh, well, yeah. kind of. Except it's one of those things where, like, literally, a lot of, especially the big streamers, will have a cutoff where, like, you have to pay at least five dollars for me to read off whatever you send in. There's like literally different levels. So, like, one level is like if you do at least five dollars or whatever they have it set to, it'll show whatever you typed in on the screen, and a robot voice will read it out loud and be like, "Oh, you suck." From what I'm reading is that the actual money is not made by people donating. It's actually by sponsoring 
uh, companies and basically like talking like advertising for them. So it's, here's the article. It says uh, multiple sources at Hollywood agencies tell THR that per hour rates for endor- endorsing a company during a live stream can reach as high as five figures for the most popular gamers. On average, a gamer can make anywhere from a couple thousand to 15,000 per hour. A That's brand if you're over- one of the high end streamers, right? You have to be one of the high, like, First off, you have to have the fan base. Second, you have to like, you have to have a good stream where everyone's going to be interested in watching you. You have to be consistent too. Like if you're just randomly yeah. on whenever you're normally gaming, there's no way you can do it. There's no way you can. But if you say, "Hey, I'll be on every single Thursday at this time," like the podcast, it releases every single Thursday yeah. in the morning. You know, it's it's the consistency thing though. Everybody at least knows. It doesn't matter how frequently you do it, as long as you're consistent with. When you do it, I think it, and, from what I've heard, that's the main thing. Yeah. And I'm on the Hollywood a website called the Hollywood reporter. I don't know how accurate this is, but it's, has, it says a brand's overall commitment to a single streamer could total as much as $500,000. That's a lot of money, dude. That is a lot for how much time though. Like if a streamer, yeah, exactly. if somebody gives, if you're like a ninja, like ninjas, I think a terrible example, but like, for a me, we'll say, I don't really stream anything, but if I were to start streaming and somebody gave me $500,000, like what's the expectation for the amount of time I feel like, to continue to advertise? Like, that's, like a full year for, that's a couple of years for me personally. Well, yeah, but I think 500,000 is, I think what they're talking about is like their overall expense or like how much money they've spent on one person overall through like the time that they've been sponsoring this person. Still, so they're saying, like, saying like their investment in that person could be as much as five hundred thousand dollars. Even that's over the course of five could, years. That that's a hundred k salary. Yeah, that is, that's a lot of money. That's so much money. Do you think it gets tiring after a while, though? I mean, think about it. if your life is playing video games with that talking to a camera with a chat next to you, and that's like your like how I, I don't know how you have a social life if you're that popular online. What? That is your social life. Yeah, right. I think it's got to be, it's, it's, it, it turns into one of those things where it, you are, would have to be in it for like the returners, where like the people that are diehards that visit you, you know, are on your stream every single night or whatever. That way you can yeah. be like, okay, like, I know this guy. Like, well, hold on. Hold on. You guys are, you guys are questioning the social life aspect, correct? Yeah. By May, I, I think it's it's a lot like any other job. Think, think about uh, primetime viewership. Like when it comes to television, there are big nights. One will typically come in and and watch a show. All you have to do is is schedule your time because someone and maybe I'm wrong because frankly I, I don't know enough to. Uh, you know, categorize uh, these top people I'm about to mention. But if you're a ninja, if you're, you know, awesome streamer number one who all the kids love and uh, can do Fortnite dances in between the games to keep them entertained or whatever, like you have to have to be successful, you have to have a schedule and you make that schedule. And ultimately, there are going to be you're going to have feedback stats because you're getting paid off of it as far as views. If you know that you 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 stream five nights a week and that only three of those nights are, are really big. Probably if you're a ninja move to only doing those three nights, 
Like if the viewership isn't there for the other nights or if you're not making enough money and you want to make more, hey, guess what? On Tuesdays, now we're going to be picking up this kind of a an opportunity. We're going to be uh, you know, playing a different game or that's how you expand your business. But your time streaming, when you get to a certain level, it needs to be scheduled in order to have a, a fan base show up. Um, you know, your Game of Thrones, it's on it Sunday at eight o'clock and it's a big deal. Uh, if you're a kid and you're watching Ninja, it's not like Ninja's always on because that's not a big deal. But it's like <gasps> Friday night from, you know, six o'clock to ten o'clock Ninja's on like, holy crap, we got to watch Ninja, uh, whatever. But uh, your hours are going to be limited in the sense that that you're you're going to uh, only stream during certain hours. And it's only going to be a few hot spots unless you're trying to diversify or you just really enjoy doing it, which uh, obviously I'm sure they do to some extent. But balancing out the the casual play versus the professional play, I would I would doubt that someone who's getting paid like a ninja is uh, is is going to be um, having very sporadic show showings I, if you yeah will. Does that make sense? if i may i think yeah ninjas in that one percent that can do that can exactly like set his own schedule i think if anybody wants to become a top streamer like that number one you have to be almost streaming the five nights a week plus on the weekends for conveniently when he, if you do get to ninjas level then yeah you set your own schedule be like uh tuesdays and thursdays are Fortnite. Mondays are my thing. I'm going to play whatever game I feel like playing Wednesdays. I'm playing with these two guys. Cause we just, whatever, you know, like I play with these people on Wednesday and then Friday, we're just going to hang out and chill and talk. Like we're not even going to stream a game. And then, you know, you, you have more and we'll have level. Record it and put it on YouTube. Like that's another thing is like to be a top streamer. I feel like the majority of the top streamers also have a very successful YouTube channel. And that's like part of how you get your fan base because they kind of work together. Yeah. Which and, a YouTube channel is hard because it takes a lot of time and a lot of content. It's the editing there. that's really the big thing for YouTube, right? Yeah, because you're going through so much content because to find like the good stuff that people will actually be interested. Like the big thing about YouTube is like there's so much content that you have to record to make a good video. That's actually interesting because you can't just like you can't just I I learned this when I was trying to read, like you can't just post everything on YouTube because it just gets really boring. Like you have to take segments of really interesting stuff and piece them together. And that's where the editing comes from. So you don't realize it. Yes, you may be watching a 10 minute video on YouTube or 20 minute video on YouTube like or three even longer, hours of recording. But that's like even more like sometimes that's like an entire day's worth of gaming. And then just taking like the bits and pieces that were actually really interesting or really funny and that kind of stuff and putting them together and then releasing that. So like these guys that are streaming on a regular basis are also like recording or they're taking bits and pieces from their streams to and like taking the time to actually make like all these videos for YouTube as well. Because that's how you get like a really big fan base as well. Well, Most plus people you can... like it's what's that? I was say you can also like put those like highlight reels and stuff on your Twitch stream. That way, new people can be like, okay, what he's doing right now isn't entertaining, but here's his ten most watched clips of him having a good time, and then you know you become interested. I know like back in the day for like Call of Duty, there'd be some of the top um, YouTubers were just the ones that they record multiple hours of gameplay for Call of Duty, and then find that one or two games that they just went off. And then mm -hmm. use those games and then record something in the background explaining whatever they're trying to do. Like, here's how you use the P90 or uh, here's some good grenade spots, or, you know, whatever. 
when he gets yeah. to the highest levels of streaming, though, at least those those guys are typically in a position where they can pay somebody to edit for them. So they literally just pay somebody to watch their stream and just automatically snag all the good clips and just edit it for them. I mean, that's that's where it's at, right? Where you're just literally yeah. making the content and then somebody else is doing the editing behind scenes. Yeah, but I mean, most of the people, when you're making streaming and making YouTube videos, you have to do it yourself until you get to a certain level where you can actually afford to like you're actually like starting a business and you can afford to hire someone to do that for you and that takes a lot of time because you have to have a certain number in, a certain amount of income to be able to do that yeah all right so speaking of income do you guys think it's like ethical to be taking donations from people that most likely are elementary maybe middle school level kids who most likely using my, you know, I think of like how Fortnite runs and it's all based off of skins that little Timmy bought with, um, mom's, credit, know, card. mom's credit card. And I'm sure they donate to streamers too. Is that an ethical thing or is there, is there something wrong with that? I don't know. It, it doesn't sit right with me personally. So I say, I like, if I may, I think that's for sure. Number one, like I see what you're saying, but I think that's number one on the parents. Like the parents should know what their child's purchasing with their credit card. Like my kid will definitely not like you can nowadays with phones, especially in like your computers, you can set up like I need to approve all transactions from this computer or from this device. Like I feel like parents, if kids are donating to streamers, it it's, theoretically on the parents in the sense that they've given consent for them to use the card uh, there. I know there's tons of cases out there where like kids have done tons of money onto streamers and stuff or like into Minecraft games or whatever, you know, skins where the parents didn't know. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of on the parents too. Like granted, if they spend it all in one night, if they spend like $3,000 in a night, okay. I can see that the parents didn't necessarily see that coming, but still like, so if I may, yeah. And I could, I could go on a rant uh, on this for quite some time, I'm sure, um, but I will refrain from doing that. When it comes to, I believe there are uh, a world of examples, and uh, parenting, I'm told, is no easy task, and I believe it because uh, you never really know what you're going to get, and life comes at you fast. But videos and, and I, there have to be countless examples of a, a kid or kids doing something and there's two examples that come to mind that I've seen on social media within the last but these kids uh decide they're going to be social media heroes and do something really stupid record it and of course you know have it either live feeding to their Facebook or Instagram or, or what have you um, two examples I can think of is someone attempted to drop kick Arnold Schwarzenegger, like run at him. I saw and that. Try, and it tried to kick him in the back. If I and, may um, finish, finish it, off your thing, but I want to go in a little bit about this once you're done. Yeah, with. absolutely. Well, that's, that's kind of what I'm getting into. So I'll, I'll touch about the, the three different things that I'm thinking of. The, the guy tried to drop kick Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, failed miserably. You Man's know, a he hit him tank. He hit him, and, and yeah, he fell to the uh, – Arnold just kind of staggered a little bit, and the kid fell to the ground. Uh, then there was a Russian politician. Now, the, the Russian politician, as I understand it, I think it was Russian, so forgive me if I'm wrong, but uh, I guess he's a pretty bad guy, white supremacist. I, I don't know. 
but this kid takes an egg and uh, while he's giving a speech or taking questions, like smacks, he's got a phone in one hand recording it and he smacks the egg into the, the back of the guy's head. I think he was bald. I don't know if that makes it better or worse because, you know, less of a mess with no hair, but um, smacks the egg into the back of the head. And then he just holds the phone facing the dude's reaction. And um, it just, I, I want these kids or people or whatever to get the living hell beat out of them. It's a complete lack of respect. What I mean, you don't have to like you can really disagree and think he's a slime ball and a horrible person, but that doesn't give you the right to essentially do a light assault on his person. Like that's that's a bit much for an egg to the back of the head, but that's that's not the point. Like it's it's you can't do that. That's that's not normal. That's not acceptable. I don't care how much you hate the person. Go streak at crossing, a professional soccer game like a normal person. You are crossing a line. <laughs> when you get physical and that's not okay. It's not cute. It's not funny. I want no profit to be made from, from people watching these videos and it's disgusting. The other one was there was a, uh, a streamer of some variety had a channel who uh, wanted to screw with homeless people. And I think this was in Europe, but uh, he, he took a pack of Oreos, uh, took out all of the cream filling and put in toothpaste instead. Oh. And uh, he, he made all kinds of jokes while he was doing it about, oh, at least they'll have clean teeth or whatever. And he gives uh, the package of, of Oreos that's been doctored with toothpaste and $20 to a homeless person. And then he records them like getting sick and puking and just an absolute you know mess. Well, uh, the homeless person had a daughter who was a little more successful and they sued. And uh, I guess he's he, he's probably he was sentenced to jail time. But my understanding of their local crime system or uh, justice system is for a nonviolent first offense. Uh, you don't actually do the Slap jail on the time, wrist. But yeah. But at the same time, I'm just like, this is something that's becoming uh, uh, if it's not already huge, it's everyone takes out their cell phones. Uh, you know, something's happening. And, and instead of you know dealing with it in any way, shape or form, they just try and record it and profit off of it or whatever. I, I don't know. But uh, when it comes to parenting and these kids who are just, they're effed up is, is how I'll put it. Um, I, I wish we had a bit of a, a tougher old school society where, okay, that kid, you're standing in a public place, a kid. Uh, and I say kid, he's a teenager. Like he's old enough to know better, certainly. And it takes an egg and puts it on the, you know, smacks it on the back of your head. He hit him. He slapped him. And broke the egg on his head, of course. Um, I want to see that kid get his rear end just tossed. I want him bloody and bruised. Dude, all right, all right. If, right. I, may, if I may, no, no, I don't no. like that. No, no, no. I'll take I Team know. a little bit more PG off of that. But one of my favorite subreddits is called Instant Karma. And it's yes. literally 100% that. Where, like, somebody is an ass and instantly gets revenge in whatever way. Oh, yeah. I think, like, one of my favorite, like, there's a couple good ones. Like, the one I can think of off the top of my head is there's this guy that's in a costume on, like, I don't know, in, doing, on the street doing performance or whatever. Like, he's just being a costume person, like, doing his thing, trying to make a buck. And then some ass, some ass comes up and starts, like, messing with him, tries to punch him, and then he just gets, like, dropped kick by this other guy that just comes up from the side and just wrecks this guy that's screwing with this other guy that's just in a costume and like pretty much defenseless. Cause you can't see, you can't really move. It's just like, yeah. he's in what he was like in a snowman costume. So like, 
It's like, what are you? The guy's just being a dick. Yeah, and I'm, somebody I'm just not dry- saying. I'm not saying like you know you're gonna permanently wound somebody. But if you break the physical barrier, if I take an egg and I slap it on the back of your head as hard as I can, I have struck you. Like I'm not saying break his arm. I'm not saying well, anything. But yeah, slug him, break his nose, uh, like hurt him. He should know well, it's not like, socially it, acceptable to do those kind of things. The, the, there's other ways I think to teach that. My no, spot. there's not. There's but not, there's I not, do want to say I do want to say a kid attacking a guy, much less like if. There's retribution, and the a guy attacks back, and it's an adult. That's gonna be so much worse on the guy who is getting back at the kid because the story then turns from man hits kid. Yeah, and the rest I, of it kind of gets forgotten. But it, as the adult, I think society holds you to a higher level it's, where, it's where that's not an acceptable it's thing. How much feedback? It is acceptable. If he turns around, slugs him once, and stops, me, I hit you. If I hit you harder, you hit me first. Now, again, no, if he gets on top of him and starts railing on him, no. But it is acceptable. If you break the barrier in, in physical contact. Especially if the other person tries to, to flee. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, I, one prime video I remember seeing is, like, this older gentleman. He was like... By older, I mean maybe like 40s-ish kind of thing. I don't remember exactly. It was, it was Maybe it was like a grandpa even. Like it was, it was an older gentleman. Uh, but like he was in a park and it, this must have been happening long enough for somebody to get their cell phone out because this this older guy was trying to walk away from this like 10-year-old that was literally just like kicking him. He'd be like, what are you going to do about it? Kicking him, what are you going to do about it? And like this guy was just trying to walk away and the video itself was like two, three minutes long. And I, do, I guess I'm not sure how long it was happening before that, but obviously long enough for somebody to get their cell phone out. But this older gentleman just like shoves this kid down to the ground. He like, you know, smacks his butt, like falls into a wall, starts crying. And then like some like, I don't remember exactly what happened, but I think some parents were like, oh, what the heck? But like, there's literally like four people that jump up right away and be like, no, 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 no. he's fine. Like sometimes like that kid need to be put in his place. Like. I you should always right. try to avoid the situation overall, but if somebody's I not agree. letting you avoid the situation, then yeah, just teach them a lesson if if you're able to. I'm I'm real big on if you cross that physical barrier first, I have a right to retaliate with what I will call slightly greater force. Like I'm not going to say okay, you but not you, persistent. You push me yeah. right. I'm not saying you push me and I can pull a gun. I'm saying you push me. And I'm going to push you harder back and I'm just going to walk away at that point. Like if you if you try and punch me in the face, I'm probably going to punch back. Uh, Am I going to then just keep railing? No, I'm going to punch you and then I'm going to step back and say, "Okay, do you want to keep going or are you done? Like this is stupid. It's a a dangerous game to play. I do want to make a point. note, Nick, Uh, I just saw in the news that YouTube has banned uh, children from streaming or like live streaming, doing that kind of video stuff. Uh, without parents so hopefully that cuts down a little bit on some of the those videos you're talking about where kids are just being jerks because now yeah, if it's going to be on youtube not. the only way it's going to be on youtube is if a parent is with them otherwise what does that do for teenagers like where, where do they draw the line yes yeah, see i i, I don't Under know if that's been established yet. yeah yeah i, I think know. you have to you technically have to be 13 to even have a youtube account and then, yeah, I would assume that would be under 18 would be the limitation on that. But again, it's not going to help at all. Filling out Wait, the thing. Wait, how does having a parent with you make that better or okay? Well, because 
you're not hopefully going to be doing jerkish things if Someone your can be parent is there. Responsible. Yeah. It's it's basically you're not going to be doing things like oh no one's you know I'm just parents aren't watching I'm going to do whatever stuff I'm going to do. You should hopefully have somebody that's responsible and and that's a whole nother thing and a whole nother rant I'm sure Nick of parents that are not responsible and so if i may friends but can someone tell me what the criteria is exactly to be a parent uh you have to put your genitalia into uh, a male puts his genitalia into a female's genitalia and you become Mm, a parent i don't agree you are you implying that there are only two sexes i don't agree um i mean you can imply all you want but that's that's how babies are made Okay. I want to hear Dylan's. So, I want to hear Dylan's uh, first. I I've heard it. many stories where the stepfather is more of a dad than a father. So I agree, totally agree there, and you can expand more, but there's definitely a difference between being a father and being a dad. Yes. Same thing with mom. I was and only talking about the criteria for having created a child to be a parent, and it's next to nothing. Um, there are a lot of very, very bad parents, is the point. And you see all kinds of idiots who end up on uh, certain channels. What was it? Honey Boo Boo a couple years ago or whatever. Oh, boy. Where you had the very large mother and this loser of a boyfriend and this poor child who just didn't understand and doesn't understand, I'm sure, probably never will understand. She's a big uh, deal. What are you talking about? Kidding me. <laughs> actually, actually, no. Never mind. You will you will be hurting my intelligence if you tell me more. I, I'll pass. <laughs> I have never seen an episode of Honey Boo Boo. I just have seen like the clips Neither that are I. online. So back to this Arnold Schwarzenegger thing. I want to touch on just a couple of the top comments on that video. And I think these are fantastic. Feel free to jump in uh, as you f- see fit for some of these comments. Attacker, flying kick. Arnold, who threw that paper on me? It says on me, not at me, whatever. <laughs> Drops kick Arnold. Arnold, stop poking me. I'll get to you in a second. Random guy gets a running start and uses all his momentum and force to drop kick Arnie. Arnold, I thought someone from the crowd just pushed me. Didn't realize it was a kick until I saw the video. <laughs> I like that one. Drops kicking, quote unquote, elderly man, then screams for help. Way to go, tough guy. Hey, I, I, I didn't see the actual, I didn't watch the video with any sound or detail. You've L- got to be careful. LMAO, that kind of stuff, embarrassing. Though. Imagine trying to drop kick a 70 plus year old man, not even be able to hurt him. Arnold is still a legend. It, Wait, pause, if I may. Uh, Ar- how old is Arnold? Over 70, apparently. I believe it, actually. He's old, dude. When's the last time you've seen a picture of him? Like, he's he's still doing what he can, but he is getting there. Well, there all those older actors, like Samuel L. Jackson is ancient. Uh, Morgan Freeman is ancient. Ram- like, Rambo. Of- Arnold Schwarzenegger. And his, he just he's starting the Rambo movie. Have you guys seen that trailer? Uh, Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, he's Sylvester Stallone. Too. Sorry. Yeah, Sylvester yeah, Stallone. Sy- like, Sylvester Stallone is he's getting up there. Too. Like he just released a trailer for the newest Rambo. It's like Last Blood or something like that. Like yeah. he's pretty old, man. See, but my 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 whole thing is that's assault. Oh, for sure. If the tables were reversed, he is suing Arnold for having drop kicked him. Although he'd be dead. Uh, <laughs> he is suing Arnold for more than half of everything he's ever earned in his career. And this kid? I'm sure. Arnold probably said it's Absolutely fine, nothing. if I had to guess. 
Like from what I under, like, I've never met the guy, but from what I understand about Arnold Schwarzenegger, he is like one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Like he's full Doesn't whatever. Make it okay, I agree. What, but. Whichever character you want him to be in front of you, he's that character for you. Like, oh, how's it going, Terminator? Oh, I'll be back. You, I will terminate you. Like he's like he's the nicest. From what I understand of him, he is like the nicest guy you will ever meet. Yeah, he was a politician for a while, and yeah. I mean, you have to be likable at least to to do that. You can't just have great movies. That doesn't make you, um, you know, good enough. You, you have to actually have enough word of mouth and positive experiences with people. So that's that's good to hear and, and very very cool. But uh, again, I, I just get caught up on okay, why is every random YouTube star not just doing shit like this to try and become as as big as they can? Why are why are they not doing all of this? And what's the incentive not to Doesn't uh-huh. sue this person? Then there are going to be, uh, this is stupid, but just for the sake of argument, there's 30 more kids lined up where whenever security's not watching, oh yeah, I'm running an Arnold and I'm taking a drop kick because if I take down the Terminator, my YouTube channel is going to explode with if I hundreds may, of thousands of viewers. If I may, just to draw the Appleton connection, it's super dangerous uh, Harry Houdini, the famous escapist from, or who lived a long time in Appleton, or for a while at least, uh, he died because someone came up to him and was like, oh, one of your tricks is that you can take punches into the gut or whatever, and that's your trick. But he had to be ready for it, and he wasn't ready for it, gets kind of like sucker punched, and that... That did him in. There's also rumors so, that he had pancreatitis at the time, and so him getting punched literally like burst his pancreas. Yeah. So what what does it have to happen? Does a celebrity have to well, have like, serious injury or die? Like, what celebrity. if the guy had a what if the or guy had anybody? A knife? I know, true, true. What if the guy had a knife? Like Yeah. It shouldn't happen. No, I'm I'm saying it shouldn't happen. It's very dangerous. Um I do want to make an Arnold note while we're on him quick. Uh he did just recently as a seventy one year old drop a rap video, so I remember hearing about that. Maybe I'll try to find it during the podcast and play it. It's not that good. So I recently started playing this game called Reentry, and it's an orbital simulator. So it's like a full-on simulator for like the Mercury, Gemini, and Apollo spacecraft, like the the uh, set of spacecraft that were initially used to go to the moon and back. Uh, so re-entry is an, it's an orbital simulator and it's literally the entire capsule. Like you have to push every single button. I, I started going through it. I just started at the Mercury figured it makes sense to start at the, uh, base level of human space flight and start going through that and trying it out. But there's a lot of buttons in a spaceship, uh, <laughs> you know, being an astronaut and flying in space always sounds like a great time, but there's a lot of buttons in this thing. And I mean, granted they got manuals and whatnot for you to go through, which you would theoretically have a little like cheat cheat version of that. If you were actually in the capsule, but man, like especially the Apollo, like the Mercury mission, like the Mercury capsule, I went into that one and just hit launch, like without having any training at all. And I now know that if I were to be put into a Mercury capsule and was told you're going, I would be dead. Uh, I would be going straight up and then coming straight back down and dying. Uh, so, but so if I may, Kyle, is this a yeah. game that you just play by yourself or yeah? So it's on Steam. Do this on their own. I I, I, I would I'm assume wondering, like if an astronaut goes up, they probably have one more person helping them. Uh, so Mercury capsule was one man capsule. The Gemini was two man, and the Apollo was three man. So 
in the Mercury capsule, it is only you. That's like the whole Alan Shepard, like very first American anyway, to orbit the Earth. That was the Mercury missions in general was just to achieve orbit. Gemini, they had a couple other uh, objectives such as trying to like figure out how do we like even maneuver in space? So they had like two of them launched at the same time and docked together. They had uh, the very first spacewalk, or I think it was the very first, otherwise second under behind Russia. But really until the Apollo, we were really behind Russia, kind of just trying to figure out how to do the whole space thing. And yeah, so Mercury was just getting to orbit. Gemini was kind of figure out how to move in space and what, you know, what's kind of possible in space. And then Apollo, its main goal was to get to the moon and come back. So, but going through this, right? <laughs> like three different programs and it was all, you know, Kennedy's whole speech thing. And it was literally, uh, they, they made it through before the decade was out and very impressive. And it actually, the Apollo mission I've been getting since I started doing this, playing this game, which you can find on steam. If you're interested, I think it's like 20, 30 bucks. It's fairly cheap. Uh, but since playing this game, I've been kind of getting into it cause I've been like going through the startup procedures and like figuring out exactly what button to push when, and like just going through the Mercury missions, which I haven't gotten very far. I haven't hit orbit yet, but there's a lot of stuff to figure out and remember. But it, it, it's crazy that the Apollo mission actually, like, the whole Apollo program cost nowhere even close to, like, the Iraq-Iran-Afghanistan war. Like, that war was astronomically expensive compared to the Apollo missions. I think it the Apollo uh, program in general cost, like, a little bit more than the F-22 Raptor cost. And that was literally for just a fighter jet for the United States, which, to be fair to the F-22 Raptor, it's still really badass and one of the top uh jets in the sky still today even but yeah it, it's just crazy that it didn't actually cost that much of a budget even adjusted for inflation compared to some of the other stuff that the government has going on as far as giant programs but yeah playing this re-entry program or game it it's kind of a new level of respect for astronauts and what they go through if you're looking for a low-end or a more entry-level uh, astronaut simulation game. Kerbal Space Program is my all-time favorite, probably game ever, next to maybe League of Legends. But, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the whistle it meant. It is a but good game, though. Yeah, Kerbal Space Program is fantastic. It is so much fun, especially as an engineer and nerding out and always have have been loving space since I was a kid to, you know, your furry first time. It's a, it's a realistic physics simulator as well for Kerbal Space Program. So like you can fly jets and whatnot and b you build your own spacecraft. And I remember the very first time even getting into orbit, you're like such success. And then like landing on the moon, my very first time landing on the Mun, as they call it in the game, uh, there's no chance of return, but just landing on it was just like, oh my God. Like if you're looking for, if you're at all interested in space and like the sandboxy kind of games, like if you like if you if you like Legos growing up as a kid and would make your own stuff, you will love Kerbal Space Program, and it's currently on sale on Steam as well. I think it's only like ten bucks right now because they just released a DLC pack. So mm. Kyle, how how much would you? I know like private space flights are are going to be a thing, and, and you've had an interest in space. How much would you pay to have the opportunity to go up in space, like as a private citizen? So would I think you, that's a is tough there a price question. that you would, you would put up or, or as a proportion of my net worth, 
I think it would be 10%. Yeah, like I don't think it I don't think it makes sense or like for a year. Like I would I'd probably do like I don't know, I get I, I don't know. I, again, it would depend on where I'm at at the situation. Like right now, if you said pay for your way into space right now, like how much you'd be willing to spend. I mean, I would say my savings account, like I would, I would love to go cause I know that'll be built up and I'm in a position now where I wouldn't be too worried about my savings account getting rebuilt up or maybe half my savings account is what I might be willing to pay right now at this very moment. Would that ever get me into space? Absolutely not. Like it's not even close. Like for the, the shuttle missions, and it was like a million dollars per pound of payload, including the astronauts, like a million dollars per pound to get into space on the shuttle, which was, I, I wrote a whole paper about this, but literally you could send three missions to Mars for the cost of one shuttle mission. But it's really expensive to get into space currently. If, if it ever comes down, uh, if Elon Musk can do his thing and get it to be actually viable for, uh, pedestrian not pedestrians for the common citizen to be able to pay their way into space yeah i'd love to if it's uh close to affordable for me but yeah it would have to be proved out as well i mean the very first teacher in space didn't work out too well for her but you know i would love to go if i had the opportunity Wait, what happened to the teacher in space so this was in the 80s in the shuttle mission and technically it was like the third flight of a citizen in space like the first two one of them was like some crazy scientist the other one was some like really rich um prince or something like that over in some dubai prince or something like that but in the 80s they had they were trying to get some like revamp of uh interest into the space program and i forgot her name i'll let me see if i can find it i'm literally in the process of watching a documentary about it right now uh, it doesn't say it in the description. I don't want to be clicking around, but it, she, they, the NASA decided that they were going to try to interest the public more into space, uh, via the shuttles by basically holding a competition and saying, Hey, we're going to send a teacher into space. Uh, number one to just get public interest more into space, but then also number two, they could get, uh, more confidence in the space program. And it was Kristen McAuliffe, Christina McAuliffe. Mm, sure something like that i've heard it both ways (laughs) but uh uh, yeah so and then also she could also while she's up there kind of educate the public about what they're currently doing and you know it was it was was a cool thing as well it's kind of showing that space is becoming more of an everyday thing it's not just for the astronauts anymore but uh, essentially uh from previous missions they knew that there was an issue with the gaskets in the boosters on the side of the shuttle and when they got really cold because there's basically just two giant O-rings in these in these uh, boosters connecting the boosters together. The, the boosters were in multiple parts, and there's two gaskets that seal uh, those parts from leaking. And when it's really cold, uh, gaskets being made out of like an O-ring making, being made out of like a rubber material uh, does not spring back the way it should when it's cold. And so they launched the shuttle in the morning when it was like 30 degrees out. And the gaskets fail and it blew up and all seven astronauts died in that explosion. And because of it being the first teacher in space, it was broadcast across the world and across, you know, across the country. Like this documentary I'm I'm watching, like has footage of literally the, her school that she taught at. And like all the kids are like in the assembly room watching the launch, you know, they launch up. They're so excited. They get past max Q, 
which as you're launching through the atmosphere and getting faster and faster, the pressure of the air around you becomes greater and greater until you get to a certain point and the atmosphere starts thinning out relative to your speed. And then, you know, max Q is basically the most amount of force being put onto the spacecraft while it's going up. And they got past that point, which means they're a go for throttle up. Uh, They throttled up and it didn't work out too well. And yeah, unfortunately, because the space shuttle is literally right on top of a tank of explosives. Uh, it went away very quickly. They do. They did actually even predicted that they, they think from footage that the crew capsule itself likely survived and they actually died from impact to the ocean. It's like, dang, I've heard that. That would that would suck. But I've, go ahead. Uh, have we? Are, are you? Is that like I'm gonna move on to another? Are you done? Like, is that it? Oh, I can talk about space for a long time, so we'll call it okay. good for this well, I episode. Wanted, I wanted to keep talking about space. I was just wondering, uh, have we ever talked about Virgin Galactic? I feel like we have. No, what is that? Um, basically, it's, a like you were saying, a company um, that's focusing on bringing civilians into space like as a, tour, as a tourism thing. So if yeah. you look up Virgin Virgin Galactic, um, they, they're test flying this ve- this modular vehicle that they've created, and it's like basically brought up super high altitude, um, kind of like a on a glider. the The space vehicle is brought up as high as possible, and then they release the actual vehicle itself, and then it shoots up on a rocket up into space, and then they they basically fly back down. They glide back down. And then glide back down to a landing because they're out of fuel. But uh, they just tested it with a passenger for the first time. Um, in this, this I'm looking. At, I'm on their space.com, and this was written in February of 2019. So pretty recent. Um, I I don't know what they've done since then. Obviously, it's been a couple months, but this since February they've brought someone into space already, and. Um, I mainly I was looking at the price because we were talking about like how much you would pay to fly into space. And here it says that they're planning on carrying space tourists on suborbital flights for $250,000 a piece. So for, for a quarter million dollars, you can fly to space. There you go. Um, I would say that's actually, that's really reasonable actually for the kind of effort and research that goes in. Like just think from an engineering standpoint, like Mm -hmm. the amount of, complexity into these devices or, you know, these machines really that take you into space is just ridiculous. Like one of the most ridiculous things I know about spacecraft is like, if you look at the nozzles of their engines, there's like tubing around them. They literally pump the fuel that's about to be burned around the nozzle of the, uh, engine. Number one, it cools off the nozzle so that way the nozzle doesn't overheat but it also preheats the fuel so that it burns more efficiently. But it's just like, ah, I got an idea. Let's take the fuel and just put it right next to the explosion. And well, it'll help us. But it's just the ridiculous engineering stuff like that that goes into space flight. That's just amazing. So, so Kyle, does that technology ever come down to the the people that are not in space but back on Earth? Have you heard of I, Velcro? I'm sure, well, I know like Velcro, but like- Have you heard of a tube like of toothpaste? That's a space invention. I did not. I didn't know that. That That's type really of packing. Uh, th- there's so many things like that. Have you heard of computers before? Like, uh, there's computers. so many things that have been invented 
primarily for space or initially anyway for space that have become commercial products nowadays. If I may, that was a big conversation topic with, is it Ben Carson or is it another? Some politician. No, no, no. He's the, you're right. That, yeah, I think Ben Carson's the politician. I'm thinking of, uh, no, Neil deGrasse Tyson. That one. That guy, that guy. Scientist. Dude. Yeah. Scientist. Very different from uh, the other guy. Um, Mike Tyson. Both, yeah. I, I'm probably racist for mixing those two up, but at any rate, um, he was on the, the uh, Joe person. Rogan. <laughs> not quite. He was on the Joe Rogan podcast and they were talking about where our energy should be spent for uh, investment in technology. And it was really interesting. The, the conversation they had where they went back and forth and said um, a lot of the greatest inventions uh, for, for mankind were made for space initially someone in the government turned around and was like, wait, you can do what? Oh yeah, we have this telescope for, you know, looking at the stars. It allows you to see really, really far. Well now, okay, okay, now this is used for military and naval purposes to be able to see enemies and other things from very far away. Um, taking all of those kinds of, and he had, he had a list. I don't remember most of them because I'm not. Here, here's here's that, from uh, NASA.gov. Here's, here's 20 things we would not, you can finish first, but then I'll read through this list of 20 things NASA we wouldn't flex. have because of space travel. Yeah, the only, the only the only last note I'll have is uh, they went into the military aspect where uh, something was made for space purposes or for space travel or the the betterment of humankind and the military gets their hands on it and turns around and says, "Oh, we can use that to blow each other up more effectively or you know whatever it is the military does." Uh, but yeah, go ahead. So, uh, camera phones uh, for the space they needed cameras as light and as small as possible because again with any spacecraft, the more something weighs, the more expensive it is. And especially as well as for big, big things like the bigger and heavier things are more expensive. So everything, a lot of stuff for space in general was light and small. So camera phones, scratch resistant lenses. They needed that for the space helmet so they could still see, uh, cat scans, digital scanning with imaging, uh, LEDs, just straight up LED lights, which are now every single monitor in existence. Uh, whoa, I get, okay, that was interesting. Landmine removal. Um, it's producing a flare that can safely destroy landmines. Uh, athletic shoes. Nike air trainers wouldn't exist if it weren't for suit construction technology developed by NASA. Uh, foil blankets. So like those, uh, the foil blankets that are for like emergency situations. Water purification systems. Just before that, you had iodine tablets, and that's about it. Uh, dust busters. So, Black and the NASA approached Black and Decker to develop a lightweight device to collect samples on the moon. That's pretty much now called a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> um, that's a good one. Which, to me, actually, initially doesn't make sense because the whole lack of air thing. They hadn't been in space probably, but at that uh, time. They, they used that same technology, though, to create the dust buster. So, that's what it is. So, what the technology they used to collect samples on the moon was the same thing they used to create a dust buster. Uh, ear thermometers, uh, home insulation. They worked a lot with insulation because in space, if you're in the sun, you're like plus 400 degrees Celsius. And if you're, or Fahrenheit, whatever, plus a lot. And if you're in the shade, you're minus 400 degrees just because there's that big of a difference. So like literally if you were just naked in space, 
whatever side of your body is facing the sun would be instantly fried and the other side would be instantly frozen. Uh, the jaws of life for cars, wireless headsets, memory foam, freeze-dried food, uh, adjustable smoke detector, baby formula, artificial limbs, computer mouse, and portable computer. Jeez. So if you heard or use any of those, you can thank space and the space programs. And that's just 20 of the, you know, more relevant ones. But yeah, it's just so much stuff was invented because of the need to get lighter, smaller for space. Man, you know what I need to do, though? Uh, and speaking this is of be, lighter. Uh, if I may, this is going to be one of Brent's fantastic segues. Continue. Well, so, oh, I have it, if I may, before that. Oh, go for it. Go for <laughs> it. Just, if I, if I may, uh, Dylan. Did you listen to last week's episode? I have not, sadly. So here is your task while we listen to Brent's lovely segue. We did a thing at the end of the episode last oh, week. Oh, yes, this was genius. Where, um, it's, it's, it's called the top five. And what it is is up to you. Ultimately, you pick a top five of whatever. And you don't tell us what the theme is. We have to guess what it is based on you listing out those top five things. So Ooh. I believe uh, Brent's was. Uh, well, don't even best. tell him. Don't don't ruin it. That way you yeah, can go yeah. back and listen. But like for an example, I could say blue, orange, black, green, red. And you, you obviously top colors. Top colors. Exactly. That's just an example. So like get your top Actually, five. Actually, you guys bring up a good point. As I do this segue, I will make my own quick top five. No, no, Brent, you're already him. Him. But it's not a guessing one. I actually do have it is relevant. So okay. uh, you talk about how technology is being increased in space to be to be lighter, uh, to be more efficient. And I realized the importance of that as I went on my backpacking trip this weekend. Uh, and and we backpacked, we probably packed a little bit too late. And here are the top five things that I would wish I would have had lighter supplies of that uh, really weighed on me as I did our five mile hike into camp. Sleeping bag. Had a giant sleeping bag. Super big, super bulky. Should have got a smaller one. Tent. Uh, instead of having a nice two-person tent for two people, brought a three-person tent. Where was the other person? They could have carried it. Uh, food. We just <laughs> so, kind of grabbed well, a whole if bunch I of may, random Your bags. plan was to get a three-man tent and just have your third person carry it? No, I don't know. We only had two <laughs> people, but we have a, like a... It, it folds really nicely. It fits my backpack, but it's heavy. It's surprisingly heavy and if you're backpacking you want a really light tent like you don't want all your weight being in the tent but for because it was a bigger tent meant for three people and if it's three or four people if you really want to get people in there it was really heavy um i'd wanted to bring uh a lighter water filter air water filter works really good but it does add quite a bit of weight uh pots we brought probably two pots or three pots that we didn't need to bring and that adds up i mean that's one of the things i didn't think about is the more stuff you bring the heavier it gets um <laughs> that's, learning that's i'm strategy. learning about that but having a lighter pot uh, would have been great and then um i don't know if this even exists but a lighter like fuel source for camping like cooking stove like ours wasn't the msr pocket one. rocket 2 is that the way to go because that's ours the was, one you want it's decently light but it's kind of bigger bulky and it's still like I want lighter fuel. I mean, if I'm going to just like a rocket, if you have to get up to space, I want to get that mountain. Yeah, uh, right. just so, so that's my segue is I believe this technology actually exists to have 
uh, lighter backpacking stuff. But I just felt it was kind of like you're talking about, oh, everything has to be lighter for space. Well, I learned quickly that it should be lighter for backpacking as well. I would say from my backpacking experience, there are really high-end stuff, excuse me, that you can buy that is really expensive and very light. Like you can get tents that are literally in the ounces, like a pound or less, but they're going to cost you 300 some bucks. It's going to be a two-person tent, and it's going to assume that you're using your own like hiking poles as the poles of the tent. So like, there's some crazy oh lights. Gosh. Oh, yeah. And it's so light that it'll also rip easily. So you also have to be more careful with it in general. So like there's some hardcore people that'll go down like the AT trail, like the Appalachian trail, which is the longest uh, hiking trail, longest continuous hiking trail in America or the world, maybe even. But like people go down this, that trail with like 30 pounds total on their back and it's literally everything they need, but it's going to cost you an arm and a leg to get that light. But yeah, as far as cooking stove or like the pots, uh, I got a really nice, I actually won for, through one of my, my company had like a winter party and I, I won a nice camping kit. It literally has this like a little pot to boil water in and then a couple cups inside of it to like put your stuff uh, in it, like to put your cups and utensils and whatnot in it. And it also will fit the fuel source for an MSR pocket rocket. And if you haven't heard of that thing, just go on Amazon. They're like 45 bucks. It is the lightest, and there's knockoffs too that are a little cheaper if you want to go towards the cheaper route that work just as fine. But the MSR Pocket Rocket 2 uh, is amazing, and the fuel is puny, and you can boil easily enough water for two, three people worth of a meal uh, in a couple minutes. Oh, that's kind of what we have. We just had a bigger fuel thing for the Pocket Rocket. Those work really nice. Um, I do want to do one last note, and then let's get to Dylan's top five. You've had enough time, Dylan, so... No ways I've, on got, that. I've, I've got I've got a little uh, a side note or two about being a horrible human being that I posted in the notes uh, while we wait for Dylan to continue to gather. All right, all right. I'll do my I'll do my quick thing then. And let's get to your your. Yes, I like that. So uh, here we go. Um, one thing we did was we hiked up to as far like highest this big lake, and it was right on the edge of like the place to go. The thing is, the way to get to the place to go in the enchantments, the the core zone is you had to get through something known as the Asgard path. And we, I mean, we slept pretty close to it, a, a safe distance away, but I will say at night, we heard a rock slide going down from the path. So I'm kind of glad we didn't go. And as I, I leave the enchantments today, I look at a sign and it said, if you were to go up to the Asgard pass, the toilets there are all covered with snow. So you have to literally carry all of your waste, like human excrement out with you. And I, I, I thought about that. I'm like, you know, I'm really glad. Like, Oh, it was I just not possible to, to bury it six or eight inches or whatever. Well, they want to, it's just, it's not allowed to bury. You have to use the toilets uh, in, okay. at this place because it's a, a pristine top notch. I mean, as nice as any national park, uh, national forest land kind of stuff. So they're like, yeah, if you were to go up to the Asgard Pass after that, you'd have to bring everything back with you. And after reading that, I was relieved and that we didn't we didn't bring our relief. Okay, what do you got, Nick? So, uh, while I was reading the news throughout the day, uh, two themes that came up. One, one could be a good discussion point, but um, I'll just throw it out there and we can keep it pretty short. Uh, number one, uh, have you heard about all of the climbers who've died this year? 
There is a bunch that just number of yeah, Mount Everest. They yeah. they lost like seven or eight people in one weekend or something like that, and I think like, they lost another just couple. this past weekend. Honestly, they lost another eight, or like six to eight. I'm sitting here and I'm saying to myself, okay, into hiking and adventuring. Like I like it to some extent, but the idea of pushing the envelope just has is never been attractive to me in in that sense. I have, I mean, I feel bad for the families who lost their loved ones, but at the same time, I'm sitting here like, expect, like, you can't just go do things like that and amazingly think you're just so awesome. It's going to work out. Yeah. So your thoughts, if I may, uh, this is mostly a Nepal slash the Sherpas uh, fault. I would think number one, People are stupid and they shouldn't be climbing Everest, especially if they're not qualified or have done other uh, things. But from what I, from my understanding, they're basically giving out passes to anybody who can afford them. So if you can afford the, you know, uh, whatever licensing or, you know, certification or not certification, but like the, what's like a deer hunting license? Like if you can afford the license to go climb Everest, they're just handing them out. They're not limiting the number. And so it sounds like the vast majority of the people climbing Everest that are dying are because there's literally just, they're waiting for other people in front of them to get out of their way so they can continue climbing. So like once you get above a certain like elevation, you just start dying. There's literally nothing you can, like your, your body, human body is not meant to survive above a certain level of, or below a certain level of oxygen. So as the people are just getting bottlenecked because there's literally just so many people climbing the damn mountain that they're just, people are dying because they can't go up and down fast enough to not die because the human body just literally can't survive that long. So number one, Nepal slash the Sherpas, it, I would say it's there. It, Nepal probably mainly is the issue in not regulating how many of these licenses they give out. Number two if you're not prepared, you shouldn't be able to go. There should be a stringent, like, if you have to have so many prerequisites or so many other above certain, you know, I know there's more peaks out there, like K5, I know is another popular mountain to climb. Not as popular because it's not the highest, but technically, it's a much more difficult mountain to climb. Well, it's like, like flying. It's like flying. They don't let you fly if you don't have a certain number of flight hours. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, I feel like if you're going for something like that, you have to have documented log and proof that you've done enough to qualify you to be there. And then on top of that, you should go on a waiting list and they should only allow so many people per year be able to do it. And then maybe even before you go, you have to prove yourself through a physical endurance test of some sort. Like, you know, check your O2 levels. You know, there's there's lots of tests out there that can show how, quote unquote, in shape you are. And, you know, between being in shape and having the experience you know, those should be limiting factors besides just having a hundred thousand dollars that you can blow to have somebody escort you up the mountain. I just, I struggle with the mentality and I get people want to push the limits and, but I, whether it's, you know, climbing these mountains or like deep sea diving, that's another one where you see uh, people pushing the limits, trying to go lower than anyone else or, and it, the not quite as popular that one. Not as popular. No, but the same, <laughs> in general like you want to go deeper you want to go further into this cave you want to whatever and you push and you push and you die 
he like some i think in the same article they're talking about all the climbers dying there was some lady who had already scaled everest like eight times and it's like why gain by climbing this mountain yeah over if you've done it max of three times like i can understand maybe you want to do it again with like your younger sibling or you know something like that but yeah once you've done it once three times we'll call it if you've done it three times you're done you don't need to climb everest what's, again what's, i just don't understand the point um it's kind of like okay well what do you what do you expect and i'll segue that into the other article that i just stumbled across today um and it involves one of my favorite memes if you're familiar with uh, jake from state farm and a man is sitting up in the middle of the night you know some one two thirty one two o'clock in the oh, morning and uh he's he's on the phone and uh he, he his she wife sounds hideous downstairs and snatches the phone out of his hands and what are you doing uh, who is she like she's like he's cheating on her or something uh grabs the phone and uh good old jake from state farm uh is is there wearing his khakis and his red shirt which became iconic as part of the meme and uh yeah the wife looks at the husband and uh says well she sounds hideous and the man looks over just kind of pitifully like well she's a man so there's that which leads me into my article today which, Very tasteful uh, segue, Nick. Transgender woman that competed as a man in 2018 wins women's NCAA track championship number in one 2019. and number two. Did yes. You see that? So, um, number one and number two. Number what? one, the number one and number two finishers were trans. Yeah. Well, uh, she's a man. So, uh, anyway, I never said lovely- boy or girl. I said trans. <laughs> There's a lovely picture uh, within the article where the uh, individual who won is in the middle, and then there's two women on either side of him. Uh, her, it, uh, the individual, them just have looks on their faces that are so priceless. And all I can think of is the scene where the husband just looks at his wife. Well, she's a man, so. Um, like how how are you the, the what you said one and two were the ones who who were both transge- transgender and then like how do you s- explain to somebody yeah I took third but I was the only one who was actually a woman biologically female yeah there this is a big deal uh, I, I, maybe just... I think Brent will have a best the best take on that from his track experience but like sports in general uh, I think I I understand why they're trying to be liberal slash uh, uh, understanding, you know, slash whatever. I understand why they're trying to be accepting of transgender and whatnot. But when it comes to an athletic event and biological men just from the science of it have an advantage over biological females, I think there has to be a line drawn. I'm, I'm like I'm trying to think if there's somewhere where I would be okay with an exception. I mean, maybe it's something to the effect of if you've competed uh, competitively as a man, you then cannot switch to woman because then you know you're you're putting yourself in a much bigger advantage that way. Or you know maybe if you start start if you start hormones at a certain point. I guess I don't fully know the science of the transgendering of a man into a female. Uh, but yeah, I, I remember seeing a, a news article where I think is the person that came in fifth or something like that 
was, you know, getting interviewed and she's like, it really sucks when you come up to the line and out of the eight of you, you know, who's already going to be one and two and everybody's competing for third. It's just, well, to be fair though, there are even in situations that don't have trans, you sometimes get that where there's just an athlete that's going to be way better than you. Yeah. But I I think at state meets, there's the guy who's going to win and you go on the line and you're like, it doesn't matter how good I am. This guy is just better than me. Yeah, That's and the guys won. And the guys won this year, both of them. Well, and, I, I, and colleges I don't care. Colleges don't care if you're three through fifth, it, or I guess maybe even third. But if you're not top three in the state meet, you're not necessarily being seriously looked at for yeah, full scholarships so. kind of level. That you you weren't number one or two or three, whatever. Like I'm not interested. And plus, those two biological males took out two other biological female spots, potentially, you know, there's two other bio. What would be really interesting to look at is how many total biological males entered into track for the year versus how, what percentage of those are in the finals. I would be, I would be interested. Yeah. in that one, to right. See if every male goes straight to the top, which, um, as far as what I know about running in the sport and, uh, what have you, uh, that would make sense. But if that's not the case, I would be interested to to see the stats. If an equal portion of biological males did not make it, you know, as far as a, the same portion as biological females, then I, I would, could support it. Then I could support well, it. And I would say that that sport is okay to have biological field, males and females mixed. If the proportion, especially over any period of time, shows that that's not the case, it's much harder to argue one way or the other. Yeah. All right. Well, let's hear Dylan's top five. I'm ready. I, or, I've been waiting too we'll long. We'll get Dylan's this. take on this one first and then go into his top five. Yeah, that's fair. Um, all right. So on that topic, I think it is unfair to biological females to be competing in an event that's supposed to be bi- biological females. And now males are introduced as transgender. Now, I understand I don't have anything against transgender, but... It's physically unfair. So I just I just kind of feel that transgender in athlete in in athletics transgender in athletics should have its own category. Competitive athletics. Yeah, because I I just feel it's unfair. Um, and that's that's literally my only take on it. I have I don't I don't really really want to get too much into it. Right. And I don't I don't have anything against them as people either. Just from the 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 comp because I mean Minneapolis is full of transgender people. It's it's a hub. Um the number of people that I've been introduced to or just run into is far greater here than any other place that I've I've been. Um so not a big deal. I mean, they're people, of course, but when it comes to an athletic event and they have an unfair advantage struggle with that and i think that was kyle's points as well uh where he's saying okay if 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 these two happen to be on top and there is an equal proportion of transgender men who are also you know didn't even make the race or you know something i'm totally on board but you can look at the statistical distribution of their results and you can tell if it's unfair or not with what little information I have, it, it, it would be unfair. And I might be wrong, and if I am, I will be the first to admit it and apologize. But until proven otherwise, 
I think it's unfair. And I, I think that's we're in consensus on that. All right. So for my top five, so how how did you guys start this off last you just, episode? You, you can start with number one out. or number five, whatever you think will make your list more entertaining. Okay. Although start. I would like to know, I would like to know if the order matters because technically the order on Brent's. mine and or Brent's doesn't necessarily matter. He okay, did a nice mine job does matter. Um, so all right. So for my number one is PUBG Battlegrounds. My number two, FIFA 18. Number three, Grand Theft Auto 5. My number four, Call of Duty Black Ops 4. Number five, Red Dead Redemption 2. I feel like the easy answer is favorite video games. Negative. Ooh. Games on Xbox One. Also negative. you list them out again, please? PUBG, FIFA 18, Grand Theft Auto 5, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, Red Dead Redemption 2. The odds of you kicking a soccer ball in a game. I'm sorry, what was that? <laughs> what, what was number one FIFA? Number one was PUBG. Ooh, never mind. All right. Ooh, now we have to sit into the yes or no question. Where we're kind of dumb. Does it have to do with the players of the games? It does not. Does it have to deal with release date at all? It does not. Does it have Mm. to do with your preference towards them? It does not. Hmm. Yeah, that throws it off. Does it have to do with number of players? Like players of the game. Ooh, interesting. Does that have to do with how much money the game has earned? Ding, 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 ding. Oh. Ooh, I'm out of something. Yep. Top video games of 2019. Or 2019. Uh, the, the results for 2019 are obviously not out yet. So this is uh, a <laughs> top top games by revenue for 2018. Wait, so you're saying Redemption didn't win? No, PUBG in 2018 has made over $1 billion. Yeah, the Battle Royales crushed it. Uh, FIFA 18 has made $790 million. Grand Theft Auto 5 has made $628 million. Call of Duty Black Ops 4 has made $612 million. And Red Dead Redemption 2 has made $516 million. And this is on the Xbox, right? Well, I'm really surprised um, Fortnite's on, no, not up there. I do not think it's... I think it's overall. I don't think it's like specific. Okay, it's, for, it's not like... Yeah, it's okay. for both PC and consoles. Jeez. Yeah, there, it's got to be worldwide. Otherwise, FIFA, I don't think, would be as high in America. Right. Exactly. Well, I knew FIFA was big, but I didn't think it was... I mean, that's competing well, with some huge names. I mean, a lot of people play FIFA, but in the United States, it's not very big. But in the rest of the world, like, FIFA is really popular. I can see it. Soccer is really big. Or well, imagine, Imagine if Madden was a worldwide sport. Like if football, right. if football was uh, American football was more widely accepted, Madden would be, you know, worldwide, absolutely huge. But it's the inverse where the entire world loves soccer, except the U.S. It's the Madden of soccer. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's actually a pretty well done game. Yep. So those are just like the premium games. Um, so those are like the games that like are obviously triple A titles. Exactly. Now there are there are games that are free to play that have made more money than they have. 
Uh, for example, oh, Fortnite. Okay, yep. Fortnite's free to Fortnite. play. Okay, I got you. Yeah, Fortnite's free to play. They've made two point four billion. That's insane. Um, and then Dungeon Fighter Online. Have you ever even heard? Of it? No. Have you That's heard number that two. Dungeon Fighter Online uh, is one is at one point five billion. Maybe we'll have to check it out and play it. Yep. And then League of Legends, obviously, um, one point four. Pokemon Go, one point three. Frostfire, one point three. Honor of Kings, one point three. Of uh, the majority of these games, I've never even heard of. Fate Grand Order. I would imagine. Billion. I would imagine that games like that have a really large Asian following. Candy Crush. I feel like I feel like that's a one billion. I feel like the the Chinese market alone is just ginormous, and and probably accounts for a lot. Like if you can get a game to be big overseas, yeah, you are set. That was a good yeah, top the five. Reason why, the reason why I didn't go with the free to play games are because like one, we don't know most of them. We really know like the big blockbusters, like we know like the big premium games, but with the ones that have made more money, like we've have we haven't even heard of. You just go like crazy specific amazing. list, top grossing games that I know of and I enjoy, <laughs> <laughs> and have a color in their name. <laughs> yeah, right, just making a very well, just. I was gonna category. go with, I was gonna go with uh the five best jelly bean flavors ranked by the author of Reader's Digest, but I figured that would be kind of <laughs> a little out there. Yeah, that went with something that was a little more relevant to what I like. Good top five, Dylan. Thank you. With that in mind, folks, that was episode fifty-one of If I May. I hope you all enjoyed. We have new episodes every Thursday. Feel free to support. Our shenanigans. We have merchandise available. Subscribe. 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 Yeah, we're going to subscribe. Share, rate, and review uh, at your leisure. If you want to get in contact with us to give us ideas for topics you want to hear of in future episodes, uh, DM us on Twitter at Zarubust or email Zarubust at gmail.com. I hope you all have a great Thursday, and we will see you next week.